Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Amen. All right, so this is, this, the book of Philemon is, a, is a, really a book about the redemption um, of a man, the forgiveness and restoration between two men, actually. And um, this is a, you know, the topic of forgiveness and reconciliation is a, is a message that the Lord has been teaching me personally many, uh, many times throughout the last year or two as he's walked me through some painful seasons of my life. And it's... Um, and I just keep coming back to this, this, this idea throughout the scripture that the Lord's heart is for restoration and reconciliation and forgiveness. And we see here that this is a story of that, a story of forgiveness, a story of grace that can only come through Jesus Christ. And so just jumping in for the context in verse 1, Philemon says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our, be- our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Apia. Apia, Apia, oh man, I messed that up. I practiced all day and I messed it up still. So Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in our house, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the context here basically is um, this is a personal letter from the Apostle Paul to the man Philemon. Philemon was a believer in the church of Colossae. Um, Paul Paul planted the church there. And um, at this point, Paul is in prison in Rome. And this is one of his uh, prison epistles. And he's writing this, this short personal letter to Philemon um, there. Um, and he's sending it with this man named Anisimus, who's going back to take the letter. And the context of here, what's going on here is that there was a crime committed against Philemon in the year about 862 AD or so. Um, and this, this man, Anisimus, was a slave of Philemon, and he had run away, and he had committed a crime. And so in that culture, in that context at that time, for a slave to run away from their master was a crime punishable by imprisonment or possibly even death. And so here we have this, um, this context here. Um, I don't want you guys to get hung up on this idea of a slave. The context and the culture was a different thing at that time where the slave could have been a uh, bond servant where he chose to be there. It could have been a man who is paying off a debt um, or, or even kind of like a hired servant in that way. And so basically what this man Anisimus did was he committed a crime. He stole, he cheated, he lied, and he ran away from his responsibilities. And he ripped this man Philemon off. And so a, crime, a great crime was committed against Philemon. And the story and the, the history shows us that this, this runaway slave, Onesimus, came to the, the city of Rome, and he ran into it. He met this Apostle Paul. And during that, those conversations, we don't know what the conversations were like at that time. You know, we don't know exactly the context, but we see that Onesimus gets saved, and Paul's encouraging him to go back to his master, seek forgiveness and reconciliation. And so in this, this small letter, we find this story um, of grace, forgiveness, and redemption. And, it's, and we're going to see the power of forgiveness. And I want you guys to, to consider that through your, through your life as we go through this today. I want you guys to consider the power of forgiveness that God wants to do in your life. And as we think about forgiveness, it can be, you know, especially in, I think, this year, this, the culture that we live in, there's, there's so much bitterness and unforgiveness going on, even within the church. 
And the Lord would want to free us and redeem us from that. And so we, we can gain a lot of insight here for our personal lives. And so um, I, I'm going to share with you guys a few points. But the first idea here is that Anisimus, this, this slave, he, he ran away from his, his sins. He, he, he's running away from the Lord. He's running away from his responsibility. He's seeking freedom. He's seeking satisfaction. He's seeking life in all the wrong places. And you can imagine he gets to Rome and he's like, yes, I got my freedom. I'm here. I've made it. Um, you know, I can, I can live my life now. But, he, but we see that he's not free. And you guys know that as well as I do, that as we try to, uh, to run away from our responsibilities or not own up to the, the mistakes we've been, that we've made, um, we're not free, that we can be in bondage to our own sin with a guilty conscience, and that can just be this heavy weight upon us. And I'm guessing that's what is happening to Onesimus as he's starting to confess this to Paul, and he's, he has this bondage of like, man, I've committed this huge crime, what's going on? And the only true thing that can really set him free is the, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so seeking that forgiveness and that reconciliation with his master must be a result in his life. Until, and so that, that's for us, guys. There's no freedom until we meet Jesus Christ. We can, we can try to run away. We can try to hide. We can try to do whatever we need to do. But there's no freedom until we are forgiven and set free by Jesus Christ. And so... As I was going through this with the high school ministry, we're talking about forgiveness, and I asked them a question, so I'm going to ask you guys a question too, and you can kind of think through this. But the question was pretty, in, in itself, it was simple, and I asked the question, what, what does a person need to do to be forgiven? And the high schoolers gave some answers like, uh, you need to repent, you need to confess, you, know, you need to go to the other person um, and admit that you're wrong. And where those are all true, if you strip that all away, like what, is, what does a person need to do to receive forgiveness? And, and, and the bottom line is that a person needs to sin to receive forgiveness. Like a, a, a sinners need forgiveness. Like that, that's the foundation. If we, if we weren't sinners, we wouldn't need forgiveness. And so there's good news in that, that we are all available to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ because the word says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so... Just like Anisimus, we have committed a crime. We have, we, have, we have sinned against our master, against God. And we are men and women who need to be desperately forgiven. So before we even get into this idea of the power of forgiveness, of forgiving one another, we have to start with that foundation of that forgiveness comes only from Jesus Christ. And that we need to be in a place to receive that, that loving forgiveness from him. And so today is the day that we can be forgiven. And so I just want to share that right away with you guys that man, just, just come before the Lord and, and, and confess and be, be forgiven, be washed by Jesus Christ. Today's the day that you can be forgiven. And see, when we receive that great forgiveness for God, for our sins against Him, then we become forgiven people. And when we are forgiven people, when we are washed and cleansed people, we start to learn to forgive other people. Because forgiven people always forgive other people, right? Forgiven people always forgive other people. So there's always a connection between the forgiveness that we receive from Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that we're going to give to other people. So as we look at this man Philemon, you know, he was wronged, 
Yet he was a believer here that knew, a, that knew Paul and Paul's gonna write to him and say, Philemon, I know who you are. I know that you're a believer of Christ. I know that you're in the church. I know you're a godly man. And we're gonna see these primary characteristics of, or these, these, main, these, these, these awesome characteristics of Philemon, of a godly man. And we're gonna see that he's a man who is, who is ready. He's a man of character, a man who's ready to forgive. And so that's point number one that I wanna share with you guys tonight is that... Um, that we need to prep our hearts to be a forgiver. We need to be a, um, a man and a woman, a godly man and woman with character. There's, there, we, there's, char- there's characteristics of a forgiver. And so I want to draw your attention to this, this character, Philemon. I really want, to see, want you guys to see his heart as we look at this idea. Like Paul's making an appeal to him. Will you forgive this man who committed a crime? And I want you guys to see this. In verse, let's read verse four to seven. It says, he says, Paul says to Philemon, he says, I thank God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus Christ and towards all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may come, become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Verse seven, for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you brother. And so Paul's talking to him and he's, and he's really giving him this, you know, Paul's like, man, I know who you are. Look at who you are. And, and he's, a, he's a man whose heart is prepped and ready to, be for, to, to forgive because if you notice what, what he, what's going on in his life here, he has in verse one, he says, or verse five, I'm sorry, he says, hearing of your love for God towards the Lord Jesus Christ. So his characteristics, he has a love for the Lord. And that's, that's primary, that's like number one foundation, you know, Christianity 101, that we need to love the Lord. And if we want to be forgivers, we have to be loving the Lord. And so the question for you guys today is like, do you love the Lord? Do you really love the Lord? Do you have a hunger and a thirst for Him? And I understand like some days we wake up and like we're, you know, the cares of the world have taken us um, and distracted us. But we have to come back to that question. Do we love the Lord? Like, do we really, really love him? Do we desire to know him more? Are the things that are important to the Lord, are they important to us? See, and as we have this love for the Lord and as that grows and, our, and you know, our hunger and thirst grows for him and um, he starts to transform our character. He starts to work in our lives and the things that are important to him, like forgiveness, become important to us. So we seek first him and the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto us, right? And so this idea of, Man, we're going to seek the Lord, we're going to love the Lord, and forgiveness is going to start to become part of our character. So Philemon was in the right place. He had a love for God. He had this personal relationship. He, the things of God were important to him. Therefore, he's prepped and ready to forgive because he's forgiven. He's a forgiver. And then point number two, not sorry, I'm not, not point number two, characteristic number two. I'm still in point number one. We got like some subdivisions going on, going on in my head here. So Verse number five, he says he has a love for, for God. And then notice at the end, he says he has a love for Jesus Christ towards all of the saints. So we see he has a love for people too, right? So not just a love for God, he has a love for people. He loved the other believers. He loved, you know, he was, the context, and we see in verse two that the church met in his home. 
He was a man who wanted to spend time with believers. He loved people, not just friendship, not just family, but he has this unconditional God-like love for people. We're going to see that he has an agape love, and there's a humility and a self-sacrificial type of love that he has for people. And, and the reality is, as we, talk, as we talk about forgiveness, if we want to talk about um, you know, forgiving someone who's wronged us, if we don't have that agape love, if we're not approaching people in humility and uh, self-sacrificial, unconditional type of love, there's never going to be true forgiveness. We have to lay down our pride to really like, to, to forgive. We really have to deny ourselves to learn that true forgiveness. So to be a forgiver, we see you have, to be a, you have to have a love for God. You have to have a love for people. But we also see in verse 6 that he says that the sharing of your faith may be become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in Christ Jesus. So he has a love for fellowship, right? Sharing of your faith. This idea of sharing is like this idea of koinonia, you know, sharing, you know, sharing um, fellowship, sharing your life, common life together. Right? If you don't have a care and a love for fellowship, if you don't have a, a love for that unity among the brethren, if you don't have that care for unity among the church, like why would you forgive? If someone hurts you, you just cancel them out of your life. Right? But if you have a deep love for fellowship, if you value that unity, you're going to be a forgiver. There's this idea that's going around that's called cancel culture, and I understand some of it, and there's a lot of layers to it, but, but as I'm looking at it, the the bottom line of what cancel culture is, is if someone has offended you or, you know, says something you don't disagree, you block them on social media, you cancel them out of your life, you disregard them, like, you're done. And, like, I don't think that's from the Lord at all. Like, that's not how we handle differences. That's not how we handle if someone's hurt us. We, we should have a love for fellowship. We, we, should, we should have a love for unity. And the, and the fellowship, even, even as we're hurt, you know, the, you know as, a, as a church comes together with broken people and hurting people, we're going to, you know, people are going to hurt each other. It happens. But, it, but, but our desire for unity and fellowship should be far above that. And that forgiveness should flow easily from our lives. And we see that with Philemon. He has a love for sharing his faith. So he has a love for fellowship. But it also says that he was um, in um, every good thing at the end of verse six, every th good thing which is in you and in Christ Jesus. Um, this man was just for the Lord. He was in for the Lord. And you could read this in the original Greek. This, this is kind of the idea that um, it's for Christ's sake or for the glory of Christ, right? So this man's, this man's life was lived for the glory of God. And so and Paul's making this case to Philemon, hey, if you're gonna forgive Onesimus, um, that's going to bring glory to God. As, as you forgive people, as you, as you, um, you know, just as you let go of those hurts, you're going to bring God glory. As you, as you seek unity and restoration, you're going to bring God glory. See, if we really want our lives to bring the Lord glory, we have to learn to be forgivers. We can't hold that bitterness. We can't hold on to those grudges. We, we must learn to forgive those who have wronged us. And then we see in verse 6 that he was a servant. He was, he was, Paul says that people have been, there's great joy and love and the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. And so this man was, man, this guy's presence, being around him, like is a refreshing thing. And I want to be, be one of those people that like are refreshed to be around. 
I want to, I want to be um, not someone who tears someone down. I don't want to be someone who's, you know, heavy burden upon someone, but I want to be someone who refreshes them. And, and, and it, as we learn forgiveness and as we seek unity together, we're going to be, we're going to be such a refreshment to each other. And so that's, that's the point number one that I wanted you guys to bring to it, that you need to prep your hearts to be a forgiver, that you need to have a character, a godly character to be a forgiver. And so it starts with our personal relationship with the Lord as we love him, and then we start to love people, and we start to love the things that the Lord loves. He's going to start to work in our hearts and change our character so that as we're wronged, as we're hurt, because it's going to happen over and over again, we're, we're going to be f- forgivers. So point number two, I'm going to keep going through here in verse 8 to 11. Point number two is that we need to view those who offend you how God views them. Look what Paul says next here in verse 8. He says, Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such, such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. So we need, to, we need to view those who offend us like God views them. And look what Paul's doing here. He's making it super clear to Philemon. He's saying, will you forgive Onesimus? Not because I command you, not because I'm Apostle Paul, not because I'm a church planter, not because I'm one of your leaders, but for love's sake, will you please forgive this man? Not out of compulsion, but out of love. Paul's reminding Philemon of his character again. Hey, Philemon, I know you love the Lord. Hey, I know you love people. Hey, I know you love fellowship. So for the sake of love, will you please receive this man back and forgive him? So Paul basically is asking Philemon to change his mind, to change his opinion of this runaway slave. So I'm trying to, as I'm reading the text, I'm trying to put myself in the, in the shoes of Philemon, right? So like this man, a, a crime was committed against him. We don't know exactly um, what, to what extent that was, other than this man ran away. But, you know, we could see, you know, lying, cheating, stealing. He was, you know, Onesimus was an asset to his income and his household, and he ripped him off. And so, like, if someone did that to me, if someone ripped me off and lied and cheated and stole from me, like, my heart towards that person would probably be bitter in my flesh, right? I'm guessing yours would be too. So God has to change our heart towards those people who offend us. We have to view those people as God views those people. I want to draw your attention to this name Onesimus in, chapter, in verse 10. He says Onesimus, and, and this word Onesimus, this name Onesimus, actually means profitable. And so Paul actually is, has this play on words here because he says, um, this man Onesimus, profitable, was unprofitable to you, but now he's profitable to you and to me you know, profitable, useful. This man, Paul's saying this man is living, is now living up to what his name means. He's no longer a cheat. He's no longer, or maybe he is, but, but he's, you know, he's, he's, he view him as God views him. God has redeemed him. God has restored him. He is now profitable and useful, useful. Paul says for you, Philemon, and also for me. And I would say for the kingdom of God. Onesimus has been forgiven and restored by Jesus Christ, and now he's profitable. So Philemon has to have his heart changed by God to see this man who, is now, who once was unprofitable to him, who once was not useful to him, now he has to be 
Now he has to see him as God would see him, a profitable, beloved son of God. God has to change our heart from this because like, you know, I, and I understand as people, people hurt you and, and that idea of unforgiveness creeps into our heart. We're not going to view people like that. We're not going to view people like God views them. We're not going to see people for the value that they have and that they've been created in the image of God. And I would venture to say that, that that is one of the biggest issues in our culture and in the world is that people don't view people as God views them, right? That's where the, the racism comes in and the, you know, the cancel culture and like all this like division and destruction and like it's just repeating over and over in history and it's because people don't view other people as God views them, that they are created in God's image. God doesn't view Onesimus as unprofitable. God doesn't view you as unprofitable. And God doesn't view the person who's hurt you as unprofitable. God doesn't hold bitterness against these people. When God beholds us or beholds the person who sinned against you, he sees them in his image, equally loved, that they are an image bearer of Jesus Christ or of God. And hopefully of Jesus Christ if they're believers, right? See, there's no race, there's no gender, there's no status, there's no sin that's ever going to cause God to not view his people um, and all people with this great love that he would have for him. We are made in his image and loved equally by him. So we must learn for the Lord to soften our hearts towards others in this way. So we must learn, Philemon has to change this opinion. Onesimus is no longer defined by his sin, but he's defined by his creator. And in this case, he's born again and he's a believer and he's redeemed and saved. And, And we should see that truth in other people, especially within the church when there's hurts within the church or within the family, whatever it may be. Don't hold on to that bitterness. Don't hold on to that grudge. To God, Onesimus is profitable and loved and redeemed. So that's point number two, guys. So we have to have the character, like point number one, we have to have the character of a forgiver. Point number two, you have to view people as God would view them. But then we continue in the story here with point number three, which I, I'm calling it the end game, which is not, not Avengers, although Avengers is a great movie, but the end game for God is reconciliation, restoration. God is in the business of restoration. And so we're going to see that here in this story. Um, if you want to just jump to verse 15, it says, For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. God's, God's heart is to restore and reconcile. And I love these two verses. These are my two favorite verses of this, this book right here because it's so cool. Paul's saying, let's, let's consider the sovereign hand of God here. Let's consider what God is at doing it here at work. Yeah, it's true Onesimus committed a crime against you. Yes, it's true that um, he, um, you know, he sinned against you. It's true that Paul's now sending him back and seeking reconciliation. But what is God doing? What's the purpose that God's doing here in this, in this uh, situation in these men's life? And I would say that the purpose here is restoration. It's reconciliation. The Lord's bringing this man, Anisimus, to himself, but he's also restoring him back to his, his, ma- his master here. See verse 15 again. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose. 
that you might receive him forever. I love this. He was gone for a little while so that he could be restored forever, so that he would be back with his master forever. So it's wonderful as we think about this idea of forgiveness and restoration. Like, yeah, the pain, the pain might be real for a while as someone hurts you, but what's God doing? How's God going to work this restoration and reconciliation out in your life and in this situation? Paul here, speaking about the salvation of Onesimus, like, yeah, he was lost, he was a slave, he was a worker, he was an asset, an asset to Philemon. Then he ripped him off and ran away. But look what God did through that whole situation. You're going to receive him forever. And in verse 16, not like a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. That restoration, that reconciliation that God does is so much better than Philemon could have ever imagined. Like he, he's like, man, I lost a slave. What am I going to do? Where's my worker? But like, now he has a brother. How sweet is that? Like, you know, and, and think about that in your, in your own lives. I just encourage you guys to consider this as you're working through different relationships. You know, I don't know where you guys are at today, but maybe there's some hurts and there's some pains in your life from other people. But like, what does God want to do? God wants to restore not just the relationship between you guys, but he wants to restore a relationship with him. God's in the business of restoration. In Joel chapter 2, it says that God will restore the years that, that were wasted, essentially. And God wants to do that. Here we see that he's doing it in Onesimus' life. Onesimus rebelled, wasted years, but God here is restoring him forever. I love it. In verse 20, um, it says, Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. And so Paul is saying to Philemon, like, don't you see the goal? Don't you see what God wants to do here? This is for the Lord's sake. He's praying for this restoration, this reconciliation. And this is the biblical perspective that we have to have. We have to have that end game perspective. Like, yeah, it's painful in the moment, the temporary stinks, right? Like there's something bad going on. Like maybe it's relational, circumstantial, whatever's going on in your life. But what is God doing in the end game? Like what's he going to do? What's he, what's he wanting to produce in your life? What's he wanting to do to restore you to himself or to grow you in him? The word to reconcile, it literally means to exchange and to bring into a changed relationship. And God wants to do that with you and and God wants to do that in your relationships. These men were formally hostile and separate from each other. And they're going to have to take this step of forgiveness and grace through the power of Jesus Christ to be restored. So as we look at this idea of forgiving, you know, we have to have these perspectives in mind. We have to have that heart that's ready, that God is working in our heart, cultivating our heart. Right? We have to have, you know, him almost like a garden, right? Like, cultivating our heart, preparing our heart, preparing the soil so that we can produce fruit, um, so that we can learn to, you know, forgive one another. But then he wants us to also see what's, what's, what's God going to do in the end? How is, gonna, how is he going to restore? How is he going to re- reconcile this situation? To forgive, um, we have to choose to forgive. It's an it's a action verb. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that, that really implies we have to take this step. And so, as you know, I don't have t- 
tons of time to develop the text today, but as you would see, Paul's asking Onesimus basically to go back to his master, but Onesimus is the one who has to make that choice. Paul's not, Paul's not able to force him to go. Paul's not dragging him back to his master. Onesimus is taking that choice to go back to his master and seek forgiveness. He's taking that step, that action, to, to seek that restoration and that forgiveness. And we see the Lord blesses it from master-slave relationship to two brothers in Christ. So I want to just encourage you guys, what, what may be painful for this season, we see here, you can bring joy for eternity. Do you guys see God's sovereign hand in the situation that you're in or the relationships that, that may be painful in your life? Do you, do you have the eternal perspective our fleshly bodies and our lives are like, we're so, we're so focused on the temporary. We're so focused on like, what's happening right now? But like, we should have that eternal perspective. What's the Lord doing to, to save people? What's the Lord doing to grow me in Him? And He's going to, you know, and, and we need that. If um, God doesn't prevent the evil from touching us, God doesn't prevent the, the pain from hitting us. Like we see that here in this situation. But what he does do is he works all things according to the good of those who love him. Romans 8.28, you guys know this verse, but we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose for whom, we, for whom he foreknew he predestined and conformed to the image of his son. That's the biblical perspective we need. We need that eternal perspective, like what's God doing? How is God working this all together for his good? In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, we know the evil that was done against uh, Joseph, his brothers sinned against him. And Joseph has this eternal perspective because he says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about to this day to save many people alive, right? God is on the throne. God is in control, and we need that biblical perspective. And as we have that biblical eternal perspective that God is seeking to save and restore, it's going it's to be a lot easier for us to forgive. It's much easier to humble ourselves and forgive or be forgiven when we know the one who sits on the throne. Right, guys? It's so much easier to go out and forgive those who have hurt us when we know that Jesus Christ reigns on the throne. We have to have that perspective trusting him, secure in him. And as we do that, we can, you know, we can leave the pain at the foot of the cross. We can leave the offenses that have been done against us there. The key to forgiveness, if we really want to see that power of forgiveness free us from life, is to trust God. It's just trusting God to stay centered on him. In verse 17, Paul says, if then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, verse 19, am writing you with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own life besides. Paul's, Paul's basically, I, I love this section because he's, like, he's trusting in the Lord for this, these brothers um, Paul understands that eternal perspective, and here he is. Basically, he's, he's presenting the gospel. He's, he's staying, staying centered on the gospel, right? You look at this idea, Paul's saying, 
in verse 18, he's like, whatever, whatever this man has done against you, whatever wrong he owes you, you know, whatever, whatever punishment he deserves, put that on my account. And, it, and according to the Roman law, that could have been death even, or imprisonment. And Paul is saying, I'll take that penalty for this man, Onesimus. And so Paul is, Paul is living out the gospel message here, guys. Paul's living out this idea of standing in the gap. He's ready to pay this personal price for this guilty man. He's saying, I'm standing here. I'll take the punishment for Onesimus and Philemon. I'm just asking you to forgive him, to receive him. I will pay the full price. And we have to, we have to be reminded of Jesus Christ here as he took that punishment for us as nailed to the cross, standing in the gap for us, paying that full penalty that we didn't pay. We didn't pay anything. Someone else paid that penalty for us. Someone else paid that debt for us. So here, Onesimus returning to his master. His debt has been paid. Paul's ready to stand in, in, on behalf of him. And this is the gospel. This is what Jesus did on the cross. This is the foundation. I believe this is the foundation of forgiveness. As we receive the great forgiveness that God has poured out for us, the great gift, the great forgiveness that God has given to us for our great sins, like our great sins nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. And as we realize how great that forgiveness is that we've received, we've learned to extend, we'll learn to extend it to other people. Jesus would even say that in Matthew chapter six, that there is that connection between that forgiveness we receive from him and that we extend to others. And I would venture to say that if you're not learning to forgive other people, you haven't truly fully understood the great forgiveness that Jesus has given to you guys. We have to be reminded of that gospel message over and over again, that our sins were dealt with on the cross for our, our, our own sins, yet it was God's great forgiveness that saved us. And so we see that example. We see Paul living that, that picture out here so that Onesimus can be restored to his master, just like Jesus would take that price for us so that we could be restored to our master and our creator. So as we wrap up this, you know, this is a crash course on Philemon. It took me four weeks with the youth, so you guys got the, the machine gun version here. Like, but like, as we wrap it up, we see that there's a story of grace. Like in verse 25, it says that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, with your spirit. Amen. It's a story of grace, and I want your guys' life to be a story of grace too. I want your guys' life to be defined by the grace of Jesus Christ. As you learn to forgive other people, as you learn to receive that forgiveness of Jesus Christ, it's going to be full of grace. Full of grace. God has commanded us to forgive. And as we forgive, we bear that image of Jesus. Because Jesus himself said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And as we learn that freedom, or that forgiveness, freedom comes. And our life can be that story of grace where we just gracefully deal with the situations that come, with us, come at us. I don't want to be a person known for bitterness and holding grudges. I don't want my life to be consumed and sucked dry with that. I want it to be a life that's just abundant and abounding with grace, right? Overflowing with the grace of Jesus Christ. And I believe unforgiveness and bitterness is going to stifle you from that experience that God has for you. Tradition says as a, that, that Philemon did receive Onesimus, and tradition would even say that Onesimus became a, uh, a, a servant or even a leader, possibly even a pastor of a church. His life was defined by, for, he was a, a man who sinned greatly, he was, but he was received and given a second chance by his master. And the story ends with grace. 
by the grace of Jesus Christ. Philemon was saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Anisimus saved, was saved. And by the grace of Jesus Christ, we are saved. And then we can be that, those forgiving people. Forgiven people forgive people. I love this, I love this little letter because it's not, just, it's not just a story or a theory. It's real people who have been radically changed by the grace of God. And, and, and that's, that's true for us too today. That I would pray and hope that most of us are real people who've been radically changed by the grace of God. That's the, that's the story of my life. Um, that Jesus intervened and came in and, and changed my life. And I want that to be the story of your life too. I share this, this whole series on the power of forgiveness because it's not, or I'm sharing the whole series with the youth because um, the Lord always has to work these messages through my life before I share them with other people. And um, this is something that I've been working through and the Lord's been teaching me over the last, a little over a year. Uh, my father committed suicide over a year ago and the, the, the realness of bitterness and anger is real. And you can see how that, like, and I lived through, you know, moments of that where it was like, man, I was consumed with, with just like, man, why would he do that? Anger, frustration, you know, unforgiveness. Like, it, it, dried, it dried me out. You know, there were seasons where, like, it cost me greatly, just, like, loss of sleep and no joy and, and, and anxiety and depression. And it wasn't until I learned this, I, this, this thought of, you know, just trusting the Lord and His sovereignty. Lord, I'm going to give you my pain and my hurt. I can't go to the man who wronged me, but I can go to you, and you're on the throne, and I can give you the hurts and the pain See, unforgiveness, it always destroys. It always dries you out. It causes bitterness and resentment. And you cling to those hurts. You cling to those, those, those offenses. And you get nothing from it. You get absolutely nothing from that. But as you give, as you give it over to the Lord, as you just let him have that bitterness, like, Lord, just take it. Like, he's going he's gonna to restore you with grace. He's going to restore you with joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. I don't want to fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defined. This root of bitterness can grow. It can overtake. And it, it, can, it can even produce, like it's a root. It can even produce bad fruit in our lives. Like, it's, this root of bitterness isn't going to nourish other people. Remember, Philemon was defined as a man who refreshed other people. If he held on to unforgiveness, he wasn't going to refresh other people. The root of bitterness never nourishes other people. It's just going to cause division. It's just going to hurt other people. But as we learn to forgive others, as we learn to let go of that bitterness, man, the grace is going to be evidence, and it's going, there's going to be joy that's restored. The opposite of forgiveness, I believe, is bitterness. And we need to get rid of that in our hearts. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, 32, Paul says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. God's telling us to remove that bitterness. He's telling us to remove the rage, the, the anger, the harsh words, the slander from our lives. And as God teaches us to remove those things, if you see what he says in verse 32 of Ephesians 4, he says to be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. As we remove that bitterness, God's going to spring up this heart, his heart, as he forgave other people. We're going to learn to forgive as well. It's powerful stuff, guys. Like it's not, again, Philemon and Onesimus, it's not a theory. This is real life people. You know, I lived through this. I, I understand the power of forgiveness. It gives you, it restores joy in your life. It restores, oh man, it just restores everything as we allow the Lord to do a work in us. There's just no point to hold on to that, that unforgiving, that unforgiveness. We need to learn to live that forgiveness of Jesus Christ. So I just ask you guys that question as we, as we wrap up, like really, what is, what is, how, is your, how is your life defined? Is your life defined by, by bitterness and division? Or is your life defined by grace, forgiving others as Jesus has forgiven you? The reality is you're, we're always going to get hurt. So time and time again, there's, there's people that are going to hurt us. What, how are we going to respond to that? How are we going to prep our hearts to be ready to respond to that? Got to trust the Lord. Trust God to forgive others. Really just give those hurts to God. Let, let the Lord deal with it. Let the Lord sort it out, right? Well, Pastor Ed always says that. Let the Lord just sort it out. And that's what I have to, I've learned just to trust the Lord in that. Especially with the, the idea of suicide. Like, man, a lot of questions in that. A lot of, a lot of emotions. Just let the Lord sort it out. It's okay. I don't need, I don't need to, to dig into that. I don't need to, to hold on to any of that, those emotions and those pains. Just let the Lord deal with it. I'm going to just trust him. I'm just going to trust his sovereign hand. Allow him to take these things from us. Allow our hearts to be transformed and changed by his grace. And I pray that you guys have been transformed by Jesus and that that process is continuing on. And if it is, that forgiveness and that reconciliation and that restoration is going to be evident in your life. So um, I'll just invite the worship team up and really... You know, it's a lot, like, I rushed through the, the message. Like, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff here. But I just want you guys to, to walk through this tonight. Just, just really go, go before the Lord tonight. Like, allow him to search your heart. Allow him to, allow him to like, really get to the, the depths of, of what's going on. I think that bitterness, like, in Hebrews 12, it describes the bitterness as a root, right? And so, like, if you're... If you're in your garden trying to get that root out, like, it's hard. Like the root of a weed, like, you might not get it all. You might get just the top, like the top just rips off, and the root's still there. It doesn't do anything. So, like, you've got to allow the Lord to, to work in your hearts. Like, what's, what's the Lord doing in your heart? Where's that, where's that unforgiveness? Where's that bitterness um, that you could be holding on to? Humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself before someone, the, the person who's, who's wronged you. Be like Anisimus. Go back to, go back to the person. If, you, if you've wronged someone, go back to them. Be like Philemon. Receive the person back who's, for, who's hurt you. Um, and, and, and enjoy the power of forgiveness. Enjoy the freedom that God wants to give you. 
God wants to pour out just his grace and his blessings and his joy in your life. And so often just our, our choices hinder that, our stubborn choices. I don't know about you guys, but I'm stubborn. Like, that's my personality, right? So I ask my mom. She knows that. Like, I was four years old, didn't want to do any chores, right? It's my nature. But, like, you got to give that up. Just let the Lord work that out in your life. So let's pray. I'm going to invite you guys. Um, if there's anyone here tonight that just needs to be forgiven by the Lord, that you would, that you would come up here and that we could have a, even a conversation. I could pray with you guys. Um, the pastors and the prayer team will be up here if you guys need prayer. If you just need to just give something back, to, just release to the Lord. Just trust the Lord in your pain and your hurt, whatever it may be. If you haven't even been forgiven by Jesus Christ, if you haven't even been, you know, we talk about forgiveness and restoration and grace. If you haven't even entered into a relationship with Jesus, tonight should be the night that you do that, that you can be forgiven, that you've sinned greatly against our holy God, and that God wants to forgive you and restore you to himself. And he wants to pour out that, that power of forgiveness in your life. And that your life will be transformed. And you would start to pour out that forgiveness towards other people. That we would be people, that our church would be defined as a church that is a forgiving church. That we would be a church that doesn't hold on to that bitterness. That doesn't hold on to those grudges. But we would just be like, hey. Just trust the Lord. Just give it to the Lord. So that's my prayer for you guys. Father, we thank you for this evening. We just thank you for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Thank you for this message of forgiveness. And uh, Lord, the, the things you were doing even in the high school group over the last month through this message. Lord, and the work that you're doing in them, it's awesome to see, to see even at a young age them dealing with this and coming to terms with this and, and trusting in you with, with the hurts that they've had, Lord. Thank you for the group that you're, the high school group and the, just the work you're doing with them. Thank you for the congregation tonight that I get to share, Lord, that, that they get a, a taste of what you're doing in high school ministry, that they get um, just a, a, a chance to consider forgiveness. So Lord, we call out to you. We trust in you. Thank you for your great sacrifice on the cross that we could be forgiven, that we could be restored so that we, our lives could be changed forever so that we could become um, just light for you, Lord. That we would be representatives of you. That we would be forgivers, Lord. Pray for our church here, Calvary Church, Lord. We just pray that we would we would be built up by you, that we would be a, a church that just loves each other, that just, that, that, that doesn't hold on to bitterness, Lord. That our roots would grow deep in your love and nothing else but you, Lord. So we pray this all in your name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.